there was a lot of excitement in the city and uh, a lot of patriotic fervor going on. In the middle of all this, for about an 18-month period, the city was also worried, plagued, and uh, in fear of a figure known as the Axeman. There were 12 attacks during this uh, roughly 18 months period and six deaths. They were in people's homes while they slept in their own beds. The Axeman didn't carry around his own tools. He simply would chisel his way in, usually through a back door, find whatever was handy, and go to work. Welcome to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast with Ryan, Larry, and Spring Hill Josh. And we have a very creepy episode for you today, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking the Axeman of New Orleans. Jewish fella, kind of sharp. <laughs> Not a nice guy. No, no, no. Oh, God. We got a special episode today, ladies and gentlemen. We got a crossover event, the likes of which we haven't seen in a while. We've got Hella Greg straight up out on the West Coast holding it down. What's up, brother? Nothing. What's happening, dudes? Thanks for having me on. Dude, we love having you on. It's awesome. No, we, we were, we're fans of the Serial Chillers podcast. These guys just finished up season two with the H.H. Holmes episode, which I just listened to. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you. And we are so stoked to have you guys on. Unfortunately, Jesse couldn't make it. There were some issues, but maybe he might pop in on segment or segments. Uh, yeah, the second segment. We'll see. We'll see what happens because we got a lot to talk about today. We got a fucking weird creep issue unsolved <laughs> serial killer crazy it's scary larry mm. hold me closer lawrence thanks josh so guys truth corner we got to pull the uh the pony wagon to the side of the road here for a second <laughs> um realistically though axes mhm Bad body wash. Oh, you think so? Oh, it's, it's it's horrible cologne. It's a deodorant replacement. It's a shower replacement. It's the type of thing that you wear to let everybody know that you only see your kids every other weekend. 
<laughs> I thought it was I thought it was exactly like they marketed it to middle schoolers to be like, hey, you know how you're all embarrassed to shower after gym class? Now you don't have to. Now you can just douche yourself down. Yeah, now you can just douche yourself down with this jerk in a can. The great thing is they have at, 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 at Christmas time they have that bod stuff. Oh yeah, cologne yeah. that comes in a Windex bottle. Mm-hmm. But it but, is Windex. <laughs> but but guys, uh, I saw the commercial and Susie said she'd take me to the prom if I wore this Axe body spray. Guys, Susie's not the kind of girl you want in your life. No. She's a one and done, ladies and gentlemen. That's Single Dad 2018. And actually, today we're coming from the Single Dad 2018 kitchen studio. A rare occurrence. I know all you fans of the Illuma Mommy are sad because she is not on this episode, but she will be back next week. Don't you worry. She'll have her theories and her womanly advice. We can we, we can bring her. her here. You know, dead air. Is that <laughs> nice? All right. Well, uh, truth corner. So we got to get real on this guys. This is a motherfucker who killed with an ax. Okay. Which I mean, it's, it's pretty metal. Yeah. I would say it's totally. most, most are. That's one of the most <laughs> hardcore ways to kill. I, I mean, you gotta have some rage in you. So if you had to die by an ax, do you, do, Hmm. Uh, strike that reverse it let's go let's go a different route how scared would you be if you saw a tall dark individual coming at you with an axe Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'm swiping right on that yeah uh i'll go first that's a that's a 10 10 out of 10 yeah would not that's gonna because it's not gonna kill you right away hopefully he hits you in the head and just knocks you out first you get the gist of what I was trying to say. Yeah. Just <laughs> hopefully Josh, what do you think? Easy. 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. I can't think of a worse way to die than to be Fire. stabbed or well. Yeah. Well, like Larry said, you're not going to die from the first hit unless they are really, really strong and lob your head off. But I, I just feel like that would, be, <laughs> that would be a very painful, <laughs> horrific way to die. And to see them coming toward you, like, fuck this. The only kind of, X-Man that I would like seeing coming towards me is Jean Grey, but that's just Aww. me. <laughs> Greg, X-Man coming at you. 10 out of 10. What do you think? You scared? Well, it depends on if he's got a limp or not, because if he's got a limp, I feel like I could probably outrun him for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm talking a guy that looks like the Babadook coming at you. Like, no, that's the scariest <laughs> fucking thing I can imagine. <laughs> Well, it's um, 1918. I mean, the guy's got well, a- the, the Babadook was the last scary movie I watched where I had to turn the lights off and speed walk down the hall. So um, that's yeah, that's the scariest fucking thing I can imagine. But um, yeah, it's 10 out of 10. That's terrifying. Um, I yeah. do, however, uh, have to say that if I am going to be killed by an axe, I hope it doesn't kill me on the first swing so I can just scream the whole time. Mm. I want to go out screaming. I get that, and I'm with you. I will say a lot, a lot of, a, a lot of these, a lot of the the individuals. Because technically, he killed six people, and twelve people survived. So you have to hit somebody really fucking hard to kill him. Because most of these people, I mean, he's coming in there. He's probably got like a rock hard boner because he's a serial killer, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he's jacking off. Like he's doing like, well, I don't know. Maybe that's how you build up the strength to swing a big ass axe that many times. <laughs> I'm telling you, most of these most of these serial killers have big fucking rock hard boners when they go in there. 
the Zodiac basically did too, we, we, which we did cover. Um, <laughs> I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's better than the crime scene cleanup having <laughs> big rock hard boner. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody needs to check on that Dexter guy that we hired that just came in here. He's got a fucking tent in his khakis and uh, scrubbing to like, keeps, that. keeps mumbling to himself. Oh, I really fucking love my job. <laughs> Use this blood as lube. I can hold the towel with it. Blood and... It's a portable towel rack. (laughs) Watch me use it to unzip this body bag. (laughs) Or what we call a human-sized condom. (laughs) He's got his cuffs just, like, stuck on his dickhead. Just, like, sitting there. (laughs) He leaves a hand free. I was going to say, you got to put one around the dick and then one around the wrist. And then... Yep, yep, totally. And then it's like a marionette puppet. Can't you, son of a bitch? <laughs> exactly. Great. Awesome. So that's your true. That's, that's your imagery. That's, that's your scale there. <laughs> all right. Now, this all happened between 1918 and 1919. So, in order to really feel the times, we have to have Lawrence take us back into the time with our time capsule. Now it's time for us to open up the time capsule. Ah, yes, the jamming sounds of the 1918s. It's a Dixie time of time. Time of time. (laughs) Oh, it's Dixie, all right. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the Dixie cup was invented before this time, so they were... Yes, it was. It's like six years before. That's true. You pay attention. I do. I re-listen to these episodes occasionally. I I long for a time when the Dixie cup was a new invention. (laughs) It took like... When they were like, hey, you tired of drinking out of glass stuff that you gotta wash all the time? (laughs) That's a thing of the past. We've got these little wax things. Things that you can drink out of. They don't burn, and they're only good once, but we've got them. But it holds five ounces of liquid. <laughs> it does. College and it kids stacks re- neatly. College kids rejoiced. They did, as I remember. Ah, uh, yes, of course. We always start the time capsule with... Music! Music! The music, yes, of course. 1918, first documented racially integrated jazz recording session happens. World sales of phonograph records estimated at 100 million records this year. Here are some of the hits. Tiger Rag slash Skeleton Jangle by original Dixie Jazz Band. (laughs) I'm Always Chasing Rainbows by Charles Harrison. Oh, they better not be gay rainbows. Rockabye Baby with a Dixie Melody by Al Jolson. <laughs> Lots of Dixies are going on here. And Hello Central, Give Me No Man's Land by Al Jolson. And Sorry If I Made You Cry by Henry Burr. On to film. Oh. January 27th, Tarzan makes his film debut in Tarzan of the Apes. Really? Yes. Interesting. March 10th, Warner Brothers releases their first produced pictures. Picture my four years in Germany. <laughs> this is during World, okay. World War One. World War- <laughs> yeah. Out of ten, it got a nine. Yeah. My four years in the trenches. It was great. Uh, July, the animated The Sinking of the Lusitania. Lusitania is the first example of animation being used for something other than comedy. January 29th, John Forsyth is born. 
Oh. Patty, February 16th, Patty Andrews of the Andrews Sisters is born. Oh, I love their, their shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they she, a ton my of second ankle. favorite Andrews sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bone them all, bro. Yeah. I'm on a four-way there. July 14th, <laughs> Ingmar Bergman is born. Oh. And in September, Rin Tin Tin is born. He would pass away 14 years later. Oh, Ouch. boy. October 17th, Rita Hayworth. And oh. no- November 4th, Art Carney. Oh, damn. Funny guy. Yeah. TV. Nothing. I got some books. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a cornfield. That's all you saw. And it, oh, the wind blew. Woo. Look at the corn. It moves. Okay. Got, got some corn here. Don Pardo was born Saturday Night Live, the famous announcer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, May 1st, Jack Parr. He did the Tonight Show before Johnny Carson. Oh, wow. May 9th, Mike Wallace is born of 60 Minutes fame. On November 4th, or I'm sorry, November 7th, Billy Graham, the U.S. Telev- televangelist, is born. And uh, complete bullshitter. Okay. I'm sorry. No. no. Come on. Oops, something slipped out of my mouth there. I apologize. <laughs> Here's the big news headlines of 1918. <gasps> February 21st, the last Carolina parakeet dies in a Cincinnati zoo. What the oh. fuck? Someone gave that bird too much cotton candy. The last Carolina parakeet died in Cincinnati Zoo. Who said that? <laughs> March 4th, a soldier at Camp Fuston, Kansas, falls sick, falls sick with the first confirmed case of the Spanish flu. Oh, shit. March 19th, the U.S. Congress establishes time zones and approves daylight savings times. Go screw yourselves. <laughs> Pretty much. Except Arizona. Yeah. Arizona nailed it. They don't have, they, they they don't have like daylight screwed. savings time. Well they, were, well, they know they had just become a state six years earlier, correct? I think Arizona so, Arizona yeah. and the Dixie Cup are the same <laughs> age? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a revelation. Mm-hmm. That might be an episode in the future. June 22nd, suspects in Chicago restaurant poisonings are arrested as more than 100 waiters are taken into custody for poisoning restaurant customers with a lethal power called Mickey Finn. <laughs> future episode, I think. I think so, yeah. Uh, August 13th, Ofa Mae Johnson becomes the first woman to enlist in the United States Marine Corps. Good for you. November 1st, Malbone Street Wreck, the worst rapid transit accident in world history, occurs under the intersection of Malbone Street and Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn, New York City, with at least 93 dead because a lot of the bodies were burned and they can't identify them. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. I would just mix them with water and make a new person. November 11th. That was, that was when cars were made of TNT, so... <laughs> It was like the Ford Pinto on steroids. The slightest bump, and it how would do just we get, explode. How do we get this thing to move faster? I don't know. What do they put in the Hindenburg? It was a big Michael Bay scene there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody's over there going, bigger, bigger. <laughs> the only two survivors were Will Smith and uh, Lawrence... Uh, Fishborn? No. Wow. Not every black guy looks like Josh. <laughs> November 11th, World War One ends. <laughs> oh, nice. I just love that living in 1918 was basically like being in a fucking 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. movie. Like every car just like, tink, hits like a bumper. Boom! Oh shit, Martha. It sounds like 1918 was living in a horror movie. You go outside, you're dead. You're gonna Somebody's going to poison you at a restaurant. You're gonna, your car's going to explode. It's World War One. Yeah, basically everybody's car is exploding like an 80s action movie. And by the way, the Babadook is on his way like with an axe. Ah, yes, sport fan. <laughs> There's only... That's all we got is baseball at that point. <laughs> 
Boston Red Sox defeat the Chicago Cubs to win the 1918 World Series four games to two. And the uh, Red Sox would go another 100 years, almost another 100 years before they win again. And Babe Ruth leads the American League in home runs, tearing 11. You mean John Goodman. <sighs> if you've seen the Babe. Oh, I've seen mind. the Babe. John Goodman was drunk and he ruined that performance. Oh, and Babe Ruth was drunk and he ruined Kessel. his career. All right, boys. It's time to get into this axe man. He was an axle. Axe man. He's an axe man. So, according to the wiki, the axe man was an American serial killer active in New Orleans, Louisiana, (laughs) and surrounding communities, including Gretna. From May 1918, which we took you back to. You guys feel like you're there, right? Oh, yeah. Here, <laughs> someone's driving by my house right now. <laughs> you might want to get your Model T checked, sir. I think, wait. The, the, <laughs> you're court low. <laughs> the odometer's rolling over. <laughs> Farthest any car's ever gone. Three. <laughs> okay, so. Gas tank just hit empty. <laughs> Yeah, it happens, you know. So this guy killed from uh, May 1918 to October of 1919. Now, there are some pretty interesting routes this one goes. I will say this one has a creepy end. So buckle up, boys. I'm buckling up right now. And we'll save it for the second segment. (laughs) You buckled up too hard. (laughs) All right. So press reports during the height of public panic about the killings mentioned similar murders as early as 1911. I actually watched a documentary, which I recommend. It's by a guy who goes, uh, his, um, YouTube, YouTube channel actually says true crime. And then there's a subtext like subcategory name or whatever. He does a really great breakdown of this case. It's about 26 minutes. It's on YouTube. If you put an ax man in New Orleans, it comes up right away. Um, What's interesting about this case is that there are suspects and also there are theories that it could be in in this much like Jack the Ripper, which we have yet to cover. And I think you guys, serial chillers guys, we might have to have you guys back on for that when we do Jack the Ripper. But this, this is um, interesting because I feel, I always feel like, especially, and this is the thing, this is, this especially why I have you here, Greg, and I know you're kind of a conspiracy guy, but the, um, the, the serial killers always have, to me, they're either like that you can break them down into different categories based on their, the way that they go on their sprees. Yeah. Process and product killers. Yes. Process and product killers. Exactly. And yeah, dive into that. Let us know what that is. Well, if you can break that down, that'd be great. Well, like you said, I'm not the serial killer guy. I'm the dude that um, (laughs) sometimes gets the outline and then shows up to record and waits for my turn to talk. But um, (laughs) yeah, right. Hello. (laughs) It's good. It's good to meet your counterpart. (laughs) Right. Um, Oh, yeah. It's uh, the process killers are the ones that get off on how they kill. It's the same way every time. And they Mm -hmm. go through and they do the, they go through the same process. It's um, 
it's all about how it's done. That's how they get their rocks off. Then there's um, the product killers who are Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. all about the end result. It's all about where you wind up. And um, sometimes they shift back and forth between the two. Like um, like Bundy said, uh, the first one's all all planned out, and you know exactly how you're going to do it. And by the twentieth one, you don't remember where you put the wrench, or you don't remember where you put your hammer, or whatever it was. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. It, it became it became about the end result instead of about the journey. Exactly. Hmm. Great breakdown, actually. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting when we cover killers and like I said, we, we've really only covered Zodiac. I think so far we did, uh, going back, there's uh, Bigfoot never killed anyone. So I can't think (laughs) that we know (laughs) that we know all the cryptids we've covered. I, I I think they've just murdered people's imagination. If anything, they're goats. Oh, goats. Yeah. Maybe the chupacabras got I was going to say, have you done the, ch- so you've done the chupacabra <laughs> then. <laughs> so anyway, the perpetrator was never identified and the murders remain unsolved. So before we get into anything, just know it's still unsolved. So if you know anything, if you're one of these rando listeners Call. and you were Ryan. back and you were back in the day in 1918, mm-hmm. by the way, it's 2018. You might want to put some depends on and get to the home. Just going to say now as the killer's epithet implies that victims usually were attacked with an ax, which often belonged to the victims themselves. In most cases, a panel on a back door of a home was removed by a chisel. So this motherfucker would like walk up and just start slowly. Like I just imagine him like, uh, this is a process killer. Mm-hmm. So he's just sitting there like with his head against the fucking probably back door, just like slowly chiseling. Well, if you go faster than that, they'll wake up. They'll hear it. Exactly. And that's funny because a lot of these people, especially after in the height of the kind of cacophony of insanity, once he wrote the letter to the police, which I will read later. He had this ability to be silent. And by all accounts, by all reports, when people saw him, he was huge. Like he was a big, tall, tall, dark figure. And he would slowly sit there and just chisel, chisel until he found his groove and then like unlocked the door. And then he would walk in probably with, like I said, a rock hard boner. And, and, and pull out his axe and then that's see, that's what I'm picturing is it's just uh Lenny from, of mice and men. And then he like, <laughs> I want to pet he, the wabbits. Yeah. He breaks in the back door, just kicks in the back door. And he's like, sit down. This is wonder wall. <laughs> Not wonder wall. Come on, man. And the, and the, all the murders were actually suicides because people were like, Jesus, I can't take another version of this song. Exactly. Don't you know Champagne Supernova? That's the best one. And the Champagne Supernova. Okay, so m- the majority of the Axeman's victims were actually Italian immigrants, and they were also grocers. Like, literally looking at the, the people that he killed, it was all literally like shop owners. 
Don't put the bread on the bottom. <laughs> put the eggs on the top. Were those were those all the victims, or were those just the ones that actually died? Because if those I, are just the ones that died, and the twelve others that survived weren't grocers, that just goes to show you that grocers are weak people. <laughs> may have solved something here. <laughs> Detective Greg, we needed you back then. That's right. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm no, I agree. I, you I'm know. Zach Braff, and I'm here to tell you. <laughs> if you're grocery, always work out. That's right. The majority of the X-Men victims were Italian immigrants or Italian Americans, leading many to believe that the crimes were ethnically motivated. And some people think it was the early genesis of the mob. Hmm. Like being a bunch of Italians, you know, if you're a made man and you're part of the group, you're cool. But if you're, I don't know, an immigrant now, and there's theories that it was a German guy who came over here and he was, yeah, he was, Little did he know that at the next world war, they'd be buddies. <laughs> Very true. Should have just waited. Should have. So anyway, um, some crime analysis have suggested that the killings were related to sex and that the murderer was perhaps a sadist specifically seeking female victims. Now you guys covered Dean Coral, right? Yes. And he's a sexual sadist of the highest order. Oh, God, please. You'll hear it when we put the episode out. Anyway. Um, okay. Should it, I not laugh to this one? No, it's fine. <laughs> it's just the grossest sound in the world. Um, <laughs> sexual sadists. Now, in general, they're, they're the types that they get off on hurting people. Like... Like, uh, Dean Coral liked to stick little tiny glass rods into like 14 year old boys' penises and then like break them off. Yeah. If well, I, he would smash it inside. Yeah. Basically. The yeah. yeah. Oh. There, there's a, you guys, hey, hey, uh, male listeners, just, uh, imagine your, uh, what do they call it? Sounding mm-hmm. and you shove a tube. Yeah. Glass thing. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> That truck driver just flipped off the road. Oh my god, he found the best you noise. Horrible for that. bastard! I, I felt that. Okay, yeah, I did too. Okay, we're gonna move on. So anyway, um, Jesus Christ, the physical reaction from you guys makes me glad I didn't hear that. Yeah, one. it was bad. He did a good job. So <laughs> proud. Um, wow. <laughs> so sexual sadists are gross individuals and I hope I never become that type of person. Actually at 36 is single dad 2018. I think you're running out of time. I'm running out of time. Once you have 40, well, I'm going to be dead at 42. You so gotta aspire to your dreams, mm-hmm. sir. Right on. I'll aspire to my dreams. I will. <sighs> anyway, so let's continue on. Anyway, the X-Man was never caught or identified, and his crime spree stopped as mysteriously as it had started. Now, there are some people that theorize that one of the victim's wives actually killed hmm. the X-Man, which, which we'll talk about. But let's get into his victims. Now, his first victim was Joseph Maggio, who was an Italian grocer who was attacked on May 22nd, 1918, while sleeping alongside his wife, Catherine, at their home on the corner 
of Upper Line and Magnolia Streets, where they conducted a bar room and grocery. So, guy sold spirits, I would assume, and mm-hmm. yeah, and was like, "Here's your, here's your potatoes, Mister Smith." Great Italian but he was accent. Ta- but he was. I, know, I just <laughs> thought of that. Really it, sold it. Here's your potatoes. Hey, get, get out of here, Baba. Good news, Shay. Boo, yeah. you guys. Here's want your some- Irish meatball. ball. <laughs> Needs more hands. Chef Okay, so the mustache. Indeed. So. The killer broke into their home and then proceeded to cut the couple's throats with a straight razor. So it wasn't. Ex- <laughs> or maybe he just hacked at him a bunch with a really tiny axe. It well, actually, uh, this guy does all these kills with axes that are left either outside or in the house. So he's like a he literally kind of imp- he's like an improviser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's so nowadays he'd kill you with your iPad. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he just is just a guy who took a shitty improv class. They're like, go ahead, use what's around you. And he's like, ah, oh, an axe. It's always an axe. Yeah. It's yes, can, and. Can you, can you imagine? How, he's, he's the like, carrot top of 1918 with props. Can you imagine how long it would take to kill somebody with an iPad? <laughs> what's your Wi Fi password? I feel like you'd have a better chance throwing it. it I, I think you're right. Like, like odd jobs hat. Mm-hmm. My, it, oh, I just swiped right. Oh, true story. That cute. True story. I had an iPad <laughs> two or whatever. And uh, my, my ex-wife caught me smoking outside. She got so mad. She took my iPad and like frisbeed it across the room. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I, was so I was so scared. Cause I'm like, don't smash. And like, I, I even like jumped over the couch and grabbed it with like one hand before like it smashed rice. into the wall. Oh, yeah. It was kind of a Jerry rice at the yeah. time. Nice. But she wanted my favorite little device that I look up all my conspiracies on to go. My go pooping bye-bye. device. Little did she know I saved that shit. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> all right. That's right. She ain't, listen- like reflexes. She-, she ain't listening to this shit. That's right. Just kidding. All my kids are sleeping upstairs. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. Uh, so in order to conceal the death, uh, Joseph. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Let me. Upon leaving he bashed their heads with an ax. So he slit their throats and then he was like, tonk, 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 tonk. Yeah. He bashed their heads with the ax. Did he use the backside of it or he did use the flat side? Yeah. He's, this is, this is have the heavy side. This will, this is good. <laughs> He's trying to lay a stump. He's just like trying to build a deck. <laughs> I'm just going to use human body parts anyway. So, Joseph actually survived the first <laughs> out, which it's funny because when I read the note, he comes off as like the angel of death, but at the same time, like a lot of people survive. Like he attacks he's a lot the of angel people. of misery. Of, of he's <laughs> new. He's kind of like, okay. he's a he's green. He's, he's getting it figured out. He's kind of like a shithead with an ax. Who thinks I am he's the angel of head wounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm the angel of short term memory loss. Yes. So Catherine died prior to maybe he's the one of the men in black. Actually, (laughs) Catherine's throat was cut so deep that her head nearly severed, but did not. Oh, but in Larry's universe, it popped off. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, 
Um, so law enforcement agencies found the bloody clothes of the murderer as he had obviously changed to a clean set of clothes before fleeing the scene. A complete search of the premises was not completed by police after the bodies were removed. Yet later, the bloody razor was found on the lawn. So this motherfucker just flicks a razor like it's a cigarette into the lawn and then walks along. Now, the razor used to kill the couple was found to belong to Andrew Maggio, who was got blasted the night before because he's like, I'm in the service, brothers. I'm going to World War One. Yeah, he was like Ryan on any I think episode. They just called it World War at the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was going to be another one. <laughs> Can't wait for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. We should do it again in a few years. Yeah. I enjoyed the prequel Civil War. Everybody keeps talking about World War Three, like it's going to bring the franchise back together. You know, mm. like it's just going to make everybody happy. Well, James Gunn was tied on to direct, but he said some shit. But he got caught with like yeah. pedophile pictures. So yeah. now Disney doesn't want to franchise the World War Three movie. That's not who we want to represent World Wars. We want a nice wholesome face. You know, they're waiting for James Cameron to direct that one. So. <laughs> Interestingly enough, yes, the guy was drunk and it was his razor. So he uh-huh. uses what he finds uh-huh. in the house to, to, to fuck shit up. He's like, he's like the mass murderer of chopped. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is chopped. Actually, he uses an ax. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah. So Catherine Maggio was Call the wife Bobby of Joseph Slay. Maggio, who was previously mentioned. Now, Louis Besmer. This is interesting because he was stepping out on his wife and him and his wife or him and his, his mistress mm-hmm. got fucking get, got dealt the blows from the ax man. Now that's right out of like Friday the 13th. It story is writing. Well, th- dude, this is the literal for one of the, f- the first like examples of a j- our modern uh, Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his whole method is just to go in there and just, bash the shit out of thing and he had no it didn't matter it didn't matter if it was men women or kids oh oh yeah we'll get to it he left oh. the dogs alone though right uh I, well you know i actually do think he did leave animals alone from what i researched i watched like three documentaries on this and read a, a few things about it and i think he i mean dogs saw him and he he probably had some good meat in his like in his trousers boondocks boondock what, what are we talking about Bob, his booba his booba booba babushka the booba doc the no Bob-a-duke. the baba duke the baba duke like trench coat i'm imagining him like moving in mm-hmm. he just probably like reaches so up and he's this like, guy rolled in in a duster oh yeah oh just lined with milk bones mm-hmm. yep he's like this will this will keep the dogs quiet and the dogs tumbleweed goes flying the by. dog the dogs would run up and just be like and then they would stop barking and like look at him like please give me a milk bone my master beats me and then tries to make me instead of drink water drink beer well too i feel like in the 1918 era dogs probably weren't inside dogs like they are now they're probably like confined to a barn at night or something uh-huh. and they're like you stay in here and protect the family chickens. whatever we've got in this barn the the cows the pigs the chicken and the weed and especially the weed oh, yeah. Yeah. well they they used it for clothes and rope and stuff back Not then they, they they didn't they didn't know they didn't know no they didn't um, so Louis Besmer and his mistress Harriet Lowe were attacked in the early morning hours of June 27th, 1918 uh. in the quarters at the back of his grocery store. So another grocer stepping on his wife. That's why you shipped. 
That's right. Ladies love grocers, but they're weak. They're so weak. Italian grocers. Is that the thing? Is hey, that... I, I'll tell you this right now. My grandpa was an Italian grocer. Really? Weak man. Weak, Weak man. man. <laughs> <laughs> he was also killed by the Axeman of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Nah, New Orleans. Nah. That's all good. So, okay. <laughs> this, okay, so basically what happened was is Bessemer was struck with a hatchet above his right temple, which resulted in a possible <laughs> skull fracture. Lowe was hacked over the left ear and found unconscious when people arrived at the scene. The couple were discovered shortly after 7 a.m. on the morning of the attack by John Zanka, a driver of a bakery wagon who had come to the grocery in order to make a routine delivery. Zanka found both Bessemer and Lowe in a puddle of their own blood, both bleeding from their heads. The axe, which had belonged to Bessemer himself, was found in the bathroom of the apartment. Bessemer later stated to the police that he had been sleeping when he was bashed with the hatchet. He was also stepping on his wife, this piece of shit. Well, why why do you have an axe at a grocery store? I mean, I would get Just like a big knife bread. or something. <laughs> <laughs> We like John make- Belushi in the yeah. sandwich shop skit <laughs> with the, where he was the samurai. <laughs> Different times. Yeah, it was, they didn't Somebody- have bread knives back then. What do you want, some brisket? <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to cut the cheese yeah. in here. Anyway, so almost immediately, police arrested potential suspect Louis Obicon, a then 41-year-old African-American man who had been employed in Bessemer's store just a week before the attack. That dude way outlived his lifespan in the back then. 41? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder why they thought he was a prime suspect. <laughs> Don't look at my skin, Massa. Oh, I'm just kidding. Well, they're, they're like, there's one, there's one black guy in town. Like, let's let's start there. See where it takes us. Uh, yeah, cops are racist. Then the racist now. It's all good. It is what it is. Welcome to the West and the East Coast. That's why we do this, folks. That's right. So. Almost immediately, like I said, they arrested this guy, and um. They stated that Obacon had offered conflicting accounts on his whereabouts on the morning of the attack. Shortly after the attempted murder, Lowe stated that she remembered having been attacked by a mulatto man, which I guess mulatto means white and black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So her statement was discounted by police due to her delusion state. Robbery was said to be the only possible explanation of the attacks. Yet no money or valuables were removed. And in all these cases, no money was stolen yet. Some of the women did get raped. Like I think so. So he, he likes, they, they said, you're too traumatized. Mm-hmm. We can't take your, we can't <laughs> right. believe what Basically, you said. Yeah. You saw somebody hit you in the face with an ax. Oh no, we can't take your testimony. <laughs> somebody come get this lady. <laughs> Take her back to her home. She's being delusional again. Well, the the thing that this crazy too is that he has sex with them, and I wonder, do you think he does the like he has sex with them and pulls out? Doesn't bash him on the head, or does he bash him on the head and go, "I like Play-Doh face"? So I have I'm a feeling gonna... he does it right at climax. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like a donkey punch mm-hmm. but with an axe. Mm-hmm. I think donkey uh, punch actually came from the X Man of New Orleans. I, I mean, no one else is telling me otherwise, so I'm going to go with it. Just going to say, no, there's no evidence saying it didn't. That's so. right, and we never found the guy. Maybe he's the originator. I, I, and I go not- to the school of Alex Jones. Prove it didn't happen. <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, 
saddle up because we got more killer shit coming up. Here we go. More so, killer killers. Now, Harriet Lowe told police that she thought Bessemer was, in fact, a German spy. Now, this ties to the whole idea that maybe this guy was a German the killer. Oh. And there, there was a German massacre with an axe that happened. And I'll bring it up in the second segment, but it actually really shows a lot of similarities hmm. to the way that this man killed. Now, the information that Bessemer gave actually led to an immediate arrest. Two days later, Bessemer was released and two lead investigators of the case were demoted due to unacceptable police work. Which I don't know. I mean, I get the I get the idea. Like you don't want to fill out paperwork. Well, no one does. I was an MP in the Navy. I remember the paperwork. It sucks, but at the same time, you're paid to do a job. You need to fucking do it. Occasionally, you need to suck it up. So, either way, I I mean, some people make careers on serial killers, and this is a big deal. So. Bessemer was once again arrested in August of 1918 after Harriet Lowe, who lay dying in Charity Hospital after a failed surgery, stated that it was he who had attacked her more than a month previously with his hatchet. He was charged with murder and served nine months in prison before being acquitted. So there are kind of suspects that Mm -hmm. pop up in this case. There's me. Yeah. (laughs) Easy there, Shaggy. I swear, Mr. Officer. (laughs) Juice, listen. (laughs) I know it looks bad. You're not even a thought in your grand grand grandfather's (laughs) nutsack at this point, I don't think. So, all right, Harriet Lowe, let's talk about this victim, was attacked while in bed with Louis Bessemer. As is mentioned previously, Lowe was hacked above her left ear and found unconscious at the scene of the crime before she was rushed to Cherry Hospital. Lowe became the center of a media circus as she continually made scandalous and often false statements. This sounds like 1918. This was basically like the, uh, what do they call that stupid pop? What is the name of the paparazzi group? TMZ. TMZ, yes. Thank God. I love you, Larry. That's why you're on the show. This sounds like the TMZ equivalent of the 1918s. She wants to make a fuss, and she's probably some weird hussy of the time. I'm not saying anything about women in general. I have to clarify every single time I I say anything. I think back in the day, they were called harlots. Harlots, yeah. And that actually sounds proper to me. I like that term. She was a harlot. Anyway, so she became the center of the media circus as she continually made these statements about Louis Bessemer, some of which was not the wife of Bessemer, but his mistress. Now, I talked about how she was a mistress, and she actually drew a lot of controversy of the time. So Lowe further gained media attention as she repeatedly made statements which voiced her dislike of the New Orleans chief of police. So she's like talking shit. She's like, uh-huh. fuck the pow pow. All, That's what you want to do in 1918. Yeah, exactly. Fornicate like, the police. <laughs> she, she was the original NWA. <laughs> I am iced water. Yeah. No, she was iced water. Indeed. So anyway, Lowe told reporters from the Times 
that she would no longer aid the police in their investigation. She suspected that it had been Chief Mooney who had first informed the press of the scandal. Despite the scandal, by the way, the, the guy's wife was in, uh, I think, another country at the time and mm. came back. And she pretty abruptly was like, fuck your Mario Kart and like bailed. So, um, one side of her face was partially paralyzed. This, Oof. this girl that the mistress mm-hmm. due to the severity of the attack low died August 5th, two days after my birthday in 1918, just two days after doctors performed surgery in an effort to repair her partially paralyzed face. Work. <laughs> I feel like they just nailed the face transplant mm-hmm. in 1918. They were probably just, I mean, so far off the mark, just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what would stick. Can you imagine a movie? Uh, <laughs> they're performing the surgery. No, no. <laughs> we shall name her bacon face. Can you imagine if they did a, uh, time period movie of face off, but set in 1918. <laughs> so- Everybody's just slicing it off with straight razors and using their little bowler hats to hold it on at the top. And so they're literally like, John, you're, you're the closest man to this criminal. So we're, we're going to do is we're going to hack off a horse's face and stick it on yours and put your face on a horse's and say that that horse is retarded slash has Down syndrome because at the time we say the R word that way. But we're just going to do that and switch your faces. He's going to think you're a horse, but we're not going to tell him because he's not going to know otherwise because this is face off 1918. Honey, why the long face? And if he says anything counter, make her look like Sarah Jessica Parker. We're just going to burn her as a witch if she says anything. Exactly. They'd have to cut off the horse's cock, too, because otherwise everyone would know better. Exactly. And that's the argument with the movie Face Off. They always say every wife knows his husband's dick. And if (laughs) I'm sorry, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, one of them probably is an uncircumcised penis. So something is goofy afoot. I'm just saying circumcised in Scientology. I don't <laughs> no, actually, they cut your dick in half and actually staple the other side to the back of your head. So that's, that's how they work the mouth. Exactly. <laughs> so continue. So that's why Travolta grew his hair out. Gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Anna Schneider was attacked in the early evening of August 5th. She was eight months pregnant. Now, this is a really interesting story because... 28-year-old Elmira Street awoke to find a dark figure standing over her and was bashed in the face repeatedly. It's like... Mm. Her scalp had been cut open and her face was completely covered in bud. blood. Blood. Bud? <laughs> the guy yeah. was smoking a Just ton of weed. threw a lot of hemp on yeah. her head. From the barn where the dog was. <laughs> yes. They were doing a 1918 face-off surgery. So Miss Schneider was discovered after midnight by her husband, Ed Schneider, who was returning late from work, much like Jesse from Jesse and the serial chillers show. Cause you got late. I feel like Ed Schneider, you could just drop him into 2018 and nobody would even question that name. (laughs) No, they wouldn't. So anyway, Miss Schneider was discovered after midnight by her husband, Ed, who was returning late from work. Schneider claimed that she remembered nothing of the attack and gave birth to a healthy baby girl. So that's like our first like happy story. Mm -hmm. So she survived the attack and still popped out a baby. Her husband told police that nothing was stolen from the home besides six or seven dollars that had been in his wallet. The windows. I think he was just trying. Nineteen eighteen. That's enough. That's like two, three mortgage payments. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I could buy a horse with that. Actually, I'm sorry. Drive across the country. Nineteen eighteen, Louisiana. 
Mm. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited <laughs> to see how this goes. <laughs> hey, Mona, me. I got eight dollars in my pocket. Fuck. What is that? <laughs> Serious, Marjorie. I'm running from you from the world war. World War One. Okay, God damn it. Things are tough. Supplies are I, short. I know I'm not Gambit from the X Men, but I try. I wish I could do it. So anyway. <laughs> so this, I mean, it ends ends pretty good. So Joseph Romano was the next guy. He was an elderly man living with his two nieces, Pauline and Mary Bruno, on August tenth, nineteen eighteen. Bruno, her parents hated her. <laughs> Hi. Mary Bruno. Hi, I'm Mary Bruno. <laughs> what, what do you do? You're at the bar. You're, you're Let's single. Play you're, you're single dad 2018. You sit down next to this girl and she's like, names. Uh, hey, sailor. How you doing? My name's Mary Bruno. Bruno. You don't think she, you don't think she'd turn around and be like, sup, bro. <laughs> <laughs> She's got like a tattoo of like a cross mm-hmm. on her shoulder and, a and like killer mustache. Oh yeah. It feels good when she's going down on you though. So anyway, the, the Sam Elliott. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> exactly. And uh, somewhere in her attire, she's got the biggest WWF belt. Oh yeah, for sure. Via 1918. Oh God. WWF. There you go. So this that was WW1 WWF. Okay, so basically the we talk about Mary Bruno and Pauline. They entered the room where their uncle was and discovered that he had taken a serious blow to the head which resulted in two big open cuts. The assailant was fleeing the scene as they arrived, yet the girls were able to distinguish that he was dark-skinned, heavy-set man. I swear it wasn't me. Juice, what are you doing in 1918? I'm O.J. Simpson's senior, 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 senior. <laughs> I only play baseball because that's the only sport we have. That's, okay. <laughs> he went down for the crawfish. Don't, no. Don't blame him. Remember, he has relatives from New Orleans. He does. Oh, the blood thickens. Shit. I think you can do six degrees of O.J. Mm-hmm. on all our episodes. <laughs> So the That's Romano, an episode in itself. It is. <laughs> the Romano murder created a state of extreme chaos in the city, and I think this is when it sets it off. Mm-hmm. And I got to do, I'm going to do, let's see, we got, oh, fuck, there's a bunch of victims here. So we'll, we'll, we'll quick gloss over these. So Charles Cordomiglia was an immigrant <laughs> who lived Charles with Cordomiglia. Cordomiglia. I heard chlamydia. Yeah, Charles Chlamydia, who had bad luck at the. Always got a standing <laughs> ovation. He lived with his wife, Rosie, and infant daughter, Mary, on the corner of Jefferson Avenue and 2nd Street. So on March uh, 10th, 1919, screams were heard coming from the Cordomiglia residence. Grocer Iordano Giordano rushed across the street to investigate. Upon his arrival, Giordano noticed that Charles Cordomiglia, his wife, and their daughter had all been attacked. So that's a young girl. Um... By an unknown intruder, Rosie stood in the doorway with a serious head wound, clutching her deceased daughter. Uh. Charles laid on the floor, bleeding profusely. The couple was rushed to Charity Hospital, where it was discovered that both had suffered skull fractures. Nothing was stolen from the house, but a panel on the back door had been chiseled away and a bloody axe was found on the back porch of the home. So the guy, I mean, he takes what he sees. At least he puts his possessions back. (laughs) 
He's a he's a nice conscientious. Now where did I put that? Oh, that's where I put. That's where I kept that extra. Broken. I gotta I gotta make sure I put the the hammer right next to the screwdriver for these guys because when they get up tomorrow and they can't see straight and they don't remember who they are and well maybe they might build a birdhouse. Well, I was gonna say it's nineteen eighteen. They probably don't have like a. A very solid concussion protocol, right? You know, they're they're not like, hey, you need to stay awake for like the next can you breathe? sixteen hours and shit. They're just like, oh, you, you got hit in the head, you got a skull fracture. Oh, you should go nap that off. You'll be fine. Yeah, go take a nap and then pray to God. So yeah, yeah hope, hopefully that infection doesn't kill you because it's nineteen eighteen exactly. So that girl was a two year old daughter, by the way. Aww. Steve Boca, another grocer, was attacked in his bedroom as he slept by an axe wielding intruder on August. 10th, 1919. Boca awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed. Upon regaining consciousness, Boca ran to the street to investigate the intrusion and found that his head had been cracked open. I think he found his head was chopped off. <laughs> oh, there it is. He was the headless horseman. Three so, quarters of the way down the street. I know. It. Keeps kicking it as he's trying to grab it. Damn, why I told is... you you'd lose it if it wasn't just screwed uh-huh. on there. But no, because you have to listen to me. No. Damn, why is my ear flapping on my shoulder all of a sudden? Cool. Anyway, the grocer ran to the home of his neighbor, Frank Ganusa, where he found he lost consciousness and collapsed. Nothing had been taken from the home, yet once again, a panel of the back door of the home had been chiseled away. Mm. This guy's got the fucking patience of a sphinx. He's just sitting there like... Didn't know sphinx were very patient. Well, I'm saying like he's just sitting there. Basically. The only one I know of hasn't moved in years. Good call. Very true. Boca recovered from his injuries, but could not remember any details of the trauma. It should be noted that this attack took place after the emergence of the infamous Axeman letter, which I'm actually going to save for the second segment. Sarah Lawman was attacked on the night of September 3rd, 1919. Neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone and broke into the home when Lawman did not answer. They discovered the 19-year-old lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from a severe head injury and missing several teeth. So he doesn't... He hits without hit warning. me right in the face? <laughs> right. <laughs> he does some serious pounding. The intruder had entered the apartment through an open window and attacked the woman with a blunt object. A bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. So this guy just like literally like throws things like a cigarette. Like he just, he just, just does not care. Back then. Well, yeah, there was, there was no forensics back then. It's not like they're going to pick it up and dust for prints and be like, Hey, that's, that's this guy. We got it. We got it. We got this back from the lab after they hit it with the black light and a bunch of cool colors and camera angles. They were like, they were like, Oh, this guy dropped it. Well, it's useless now. We got to catch him with it in his hands. This exactly. blood doesn't taste like the last blood. <laughs> Must be a different type. I'm a blood taster for the FBI. <laughs> he just he's just got penny, just got a, like a handful of pennies in his mm-hmm. mouth at all times. This one tastes like a nine volt battery. <laughs> Coincidentally, that was the X man. He's like every time he's like mm, irony. That's it, indeed. My name's Doctor Acula. Mike Pepitone, now this is our last victim before we close okay. up this segment and take a little break, was attacked on the night of October 27, 1919. His wife was awakened by a noise and arrived at the door of his bedroom just as a large axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene. Can you imagine how creepy that would be to like wake up your husband? Uh, and this is probably an older couple, so mm-hmm. she wakes up because she's sleeping in another room because he farts and fucking snores his ass off. Hey, that's so, me. Me too. Damn it, Josh. Would you quit farting up the room? Actually, shit. Wait, I'm on Tinder again. No, I don't fart and I don't snore. Uh, 
Oh, shit. Um, so, Mike Pepitone had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. Blood, is, blood splatter covered the majority of the room, including a painting of the Virgin Mary. Miss Pepitone, the mother of six children, was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer other than he was basically tall and dark. The Pepitone murder was the last of the alleged Axeman attacks. Six dead, 12 injured. What a fucking douchebag. Would you Yeah, agree? he seems uh seems a little reckless. He doesn't seem like a process killer though because if he was a process killer I feel like he'd bring the axe with him because it would be about the axe or it would be about the knife or it would be about the baseball bat or whatever it was that he decided to use. Uh, I feel like he's more of a D bag with impulse impulse control, uh-huh. possibly I like I said, a little, a little Lenny up top, you know, like not, not the sharpest beer in the fridge and that he just gets in a little over his head. Like he breaks in because why not? And then he hits him with the ax because why not? And then people die and he doesn't know because they don't die. Like some of them are still alive and they're just like, yeah, I saw this giant guy with an ax. And that's it. I mean, there's no, there, there seems to be aside from the fact that he breaks in and hits him. Mm-hmm. There seems to be nothing that connects all the other ones. You know what I mean? It's like they, they live or die. It makes no difference to him. Well, it's always an ax attack um, for the most part. And it's generally with what he grabs. Now, I, I really appreciate your input because you guys do do a serial killer podcast, but I think his letter spells it out even more, which will come back in on the second segment. And I think it'll define a little bit more. Whereas I actually do think he's a process killer because he never took anything from the victims. But I also think that it's possibly wrong to just generalize it as those two because i think there are different variations of killers i mean if we talk well, about- i don't think it sounds to me like he didn't intend to be a killer maybe like it was like he just wanted to pet the rabbits with the axe and the the rabbits couldn't hang right well it's it's hard rabbits don't really bounce around very much if you hit them in the face with the axe so um true story yeah anyways we're gonna take a quick break we'll come back with the letter that the Axeman actually sent to the New Orleans Police Department. We'll see you in a bit. Oh, what's up? Okay, um, yeah, Serial Chillers podcast uh, comes out every Friday. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Chillers Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Serial Chillers. Uh, Facebook at Serial Chillers. Uh, Gmail at Serial Chillers Podcast at gmail.com and we have a voice line that you can call uh, 805-666-2513 yeah that's right that's why we chose it 666 yeah nice and uh yeah that's pretty much the easiest way to get a hold of us these are our West Coast brothers please check them out Serial Chillers Podcast is great they've covered just about all the scary guys but wait no there's a whole shit ton more and season three is going to beckon that to you ladies and gentlemen so please check out their podcast and we're so grateful to have them on today thank you hella greg yeah no problem man i'm happy to be here
Second segment time, ladies and gentlemen, which means all the segments you know and love are coming up, but we got to start with a little bit more info. Now, I did allude to the fact that the X-Men sent a letter to the police, and like most serial killers, he likes to send messages so that they're going to be read over and 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 over again. Now, it's 2018, and here I am about to read a letter from 1919. So he did his job well. And it is time for me to read this letter. So this is when, this is basically how you can understand this guy a little bit more, basically from his words. Now, this could be just guy, a, a random dude at a mental asylum. And we've had that happen before because the Zodiac had the guy call in to the talk show who was from mental asylum, but it could be him. So let's pretend like maybe it is. And here it is. As I read it. Hell March 13, 1919 esteemed mortals of new Orleans. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I'm not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleans and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. Because all the people I kill keep me company. True story. (laughs) If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the X-Man. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleans think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am. But I could be much worse. If I wanted to, if I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens. For I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Damn, I'm pretty metal. Now to be exact, 
at 12.15 earthly time because I'm on hell time. On next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass up for New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition for you people. And now here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared and whom has a jazz band in full swing at the time of which I have mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain that is that some of you people who do not have jazz in and out of that specific night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, because he likes tartar sauce, I don't get that. Cool. <laughs> it is about time I leave your earthly home. I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this. What is he, fucking Shakespeare? That it may go well with thee. I have been and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The Axe Man. Damn. <clears throat> what do we think of so, that? So, I, kn- I knew it sounded familiar. They, uh, they did this guy on American Horror Story. They on, did. Um, on one of the seasons... They were in New Orleans, and he—that was—that was his jam. I knew that was familiar. Um, also, who the fuck is this guy? The guy who wrote Jean Benet Ramsey's ransom note? Jesus Christ! It's like four fucking pages. Like you—you'd think if you were going to send a note to somebody, you'd be like, "Here's the deal: play jazz music, or I'm just going to keep killing motherfuckers." And like, it wouldn't need to be much more than that. But this guy was just really kind of stroking himself. I—I I agree. Well, I think that the, a lot of it came from just like. He was so high and mighty at the time, and he loved the publicity that he got. And being in 1918, he was just having a blast. Just like the Zodiac. They're a couple of nerds. And, uh, the problem with serial killers who get an ego like that, though, is that's how you get caught. So I feel like they're probably not... It may not be the same guy. Because when you get an ego like that as a serial killer that's when you get sloppy and that's when you start leaving stuff behind and saying uh you know forgetting where you put your hammer or whatever you're because because you've got the ego you want you want them to get closer so you either mess up on purpose or because you're so focused on something else that you're not it's not a tightly uh, uh well-oiled machine it's not that pretty much yeah so Let's talk a little bit about suspects. Now, crime writer Colin Wilson speculates the Axeman could have been Joseph Monfrey, a man shot to death in Los Angeles in December of 1920 by the widow of Mike Pepitone, who was our last individual. The Axeman's... Well, so Wilson's theory has been widely repeated in other true crime books and websites. However, the true crime writer Michael Newton searched New Orleans and Los Angeles public police and court records as well as newspaper articles and failed to find any evidence of a man with the name Joseph Monfrey. Now, I know a lot of hitmen or like mobster guys, they changed their name 
considerably yeah. throughout their whole process. It's, it's a way to evade police. It's a way to kind of continue to do your job. Without- yeah, you'd be Ryan the Tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan the Tongue. Sounds like a porn title. Josh the Beard. Josh the Beard, Ryan the Tongue, and Larry the Labia? I'll take it. <laughs> okay. He knows how to work it. And Greg the... Goofball. <laughs> Boy. It's not the worst thing I've been called today, so I guess what a points for name. me. <laughs> hey, it's Greg the Goofball, man. He brings the goofballs. We, we Gabagool. Yeah. That's right. He, he's a bit, his wife makes the best goulash. So, so Hungarian? I feel mob, like mob yeah. hits, though. Mm, okay. Mob hits w- are more about sending a message, no? I agree. Like that's why that's why the kneecap thing exists, or you know they break your fingers first before because it's like tell the others what you saw. Yeah, and incite fear. That's their motivation. intimidation. Now, Esther Albano and others. Okay, so a woman who claimed to be Pepitone's widow was arrested, tried, and convicted for such a crime, or indeed has been in. California. Now, there's Newton notes that Momfrey was not an unusual surname in New Orleans at the time of the crimes. It appears that there actually may have been an individual named Joseph Momfrey. You know, there's some conflicting reports who are like, well, this is a name, but we're not quite sure if it's uh, a real name or a real person. Um, in New Orleans, he had a criminal history who may have been connected with organized crime. This kind of ties to the mobster thing. However, local records for the period are not extensive enough. There's like census reports. Like Mm. if you want to know where somebody is, it's like because they had a census thing or it's 1918. Nobody's keeping track. And the one guy that is, they're like, nerd. He just shows up. I want to count the number of people in your house, please. And serial killers are just like, yeah, totally. Come on in. It's just me and these eight dead people. <laughs> Do you want their names too? Because I think I still have their IDs around here somewhere. <laughs> he's, he's, he's holding an axe and he's like, uh, it slipped into my hands. Oops. <laughs> just have a seat right over here and face that way for a minute. Yeah, exactly. I was slicing the brisket, you see. Yeah, yeah of course. So... It appears that there actually may have been an individual named Joseph Monfrey in New Orleans who had a criminal history and who may have been connected with organized crime. Like I said, however, local records for the period are not extensive enough to allow confirmation of this or to positively identify the individual. Wilson's explanation is an urban legend, and there is no more evidence now on the identity of the killer. It also, according to one of the documentaries I watched, said that Joseph Monfrey was actually in prison when the first, pretty much all, actually, all the murders happened. Like, he literally got out in 1920. Oh, wow. So, unless he has, like, the power of, like, I don't know, controlling individuals outside of a prison cell, I don't think he did it. A lot of mob guys do, though. True. A lot of a lot of mob guys can pull strings from behind bars. Also, it was prison in 1918. I feel like if he said he had ghosts in his blood, he could hop the fence for a minute and disappear. And they're like, oh, as long as he's back by midnight. In, in 1918, a life sentence was eight years. 
<laughs> That's because the average lifespan was nine years. Yep. <laughs> Oh God! To the long ripe age of thirty-two, <laughs> sixteen years old. You just got my driver's license, but I'm having a midlife yeah, crisis. I gotta, ha- I gotta buy the convertible horse carriage. They're all convertibles. <laughs> Roofs haven't been invented yet. Yeah. Two of the alleged early victims of the Axemen, an Italian couple named Shimabra, yeah, were okay. shot by an intruder in their lower ninth ward home in the early mornings of. May 16th, 1912. The male Shiambra Shin- Shia- survived. Sounds like a, sounds like a, a Barbara Streisand musical. Yeah. Shiambra. It's the sequel to Beaches. <laughs> <laughs> In newspaper accounts, the prime suspect is referred to the name of Monfrey, like our Joseph Monfrey. Monfrey. While radically different than the Axeman's usual modus operandi, if Joseph Monfrey was indeed the Axeman, the Shambras may well have been early victims of the future serial killer. Now, most of the serial killers that you guys have covered, they have like that that early time where they experiment with animals or they like slowly kind of get into the mold. They do that some, would be known as the McDonald triad, which, right. and so I fuck it up every time we're on the show and it's not on purpose, but I'm gonna see if I can get it right here. It's, um, arson. I believe it's animal torture and I be- also believe bedwetting. Yep. Bedwetting. That's the one and that, then, I, that I always and then remember. Head injury is like, could be like head injury is an alternate for the team. It's the it scores center. where it's. Yeah, it's 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 times weren't good enough to make the team, but it's it definitely made alternate. Yes. So is it is it common though like with with the guys that you've covered that they usually were bedwetters though? A lot of them were um <clears throat> especially when we talk about the uh older serial killers like from from this area era or around this era or slightly after um mostly because and this is just a personal theory i have no scientific data to back this up but i mostly believe that these guys were bedwetters because they didn't have indoor plumbing and that that's the best I can come up with. No indoor plumbing. So they were like, Oh, we got to go outside and use the outhouse, but it's fucking scary out there. Cause it's 1918 and there's cholera around every corner. So they just lay in bed and piss the bed because really you're just pissing on a burlap sack full of hay. And little did they know by 2018, you'd be pissing into Mountain Dew bottles. <sighs> Stashing it behind the furnace. They, oh, Gives it that ripe smell to it. So when you open it, it still goes. Ooh, is that coriander? <laughs> the hint of nutmeg. Asparagus. Asparagus. Gives it those earth tones. Mm. So I'm curious, though. Um, so far, he seems like a pretty by the number serial killer. Mm-hmm. They even wrote a song about him. Because that night that he wrote that letter, that Tuesday, they were playing jazz all over New Orleans. Yeah, no kidding. Which makes sense, because I would be scared shitless if if there was anybody who 
I mean, it's 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 just insane to me to think that like at the time. I mean, I guess if if it was modern day, would it would it have been like? Uh, could have been no, a stinks. You so. better you better play some. Uh, you better some, you better play some trip hop. You, yeah, you better be playing some well, Skrillex. If you look at it, it, like the population had to be a lot thinner back then too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there. You're not looking at like looking at New Orleans. You're not looking at a million or two million people like you are now. You know, you're looking at. People are, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thin population and uh, like, imagine now, like now, I guess the equivalent would be like, if somebody wrote a letter to your local newspaper and was like, Hey, we've got roving death squads who want to hear blink one eighty two. Oof. 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 It's gotta hey, be, if, it's gotta be Adam's song. Cause we're all going to off ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. If, if we don't hear, damn it. At twelve fifteen <laughs> in the morning then we're kicking in your door and we're going to kill you. I mean, realistically, they can't be everywhere at 1215 in the morning. Are you really going to be that afraid? Do you even read the newspaper? Right. I mean, I read a tweet so, about it though, dude. <laughs> right. They sent a tweet. It was a hundred. They shortened the letter to 140 characters. Imagine if this cat only had 140 characters play jazz, <laughs> going to kill hashtag going to do it. <laughs> hashtag super serial. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Now, I've got two stories that have come of pretty much the last five years. Mm, okay. Ooh, I thought I, I thought I sent it to my messenger on my phone, so I freaked out and I had to like throw the headphones off and like run around and like reestablish my connections here. But there's an article from the Thirteenth Floor TV that breaks this down. Now, supposedly. There's evidence that can be reexamined and maybe sought out. Now I know lately they've they think they might be able to solve a cold case murder just based on the movie Jaws. <laughs> Have you guys heard? Oh, about- I saw that Joe Hill, son of Stephen King, Jonah Hill, wrote a great blog post. No, not Jonah Hill. Oh, uh-huh. wrote a great uh, article about it, and supposedly this is this. When I read this, it creeped me out a little bit. So, during the Axeman's reign of terror, police struggled in vain to piece together a profile of the killer whose M.O. involved breaking into the victim's homes and using their own tools and weapons against them. His preferred implement, which obviously earned him his nefarious nickname, was an axe. But in one of his earliest known murders, a straight razor was used, which I think that was the first first one. one. That was the one where he was like, "Mm, drag it across. Oh, I didn't do the job. Most of the victims were Italian-Americans, so a lot of people thought it was mafia. But the truth might have been a little more bizarre than that, especially if the police received a strange letter, which we read... The newspapers published the letter sparking an apparent wave of nocturnal jazz sessions arranged by people who believe they could keep the killer at bay. That was my formative years as a teenager. It was just a bunch of nocturnal jazz sessions. Yeah. So they, uh, it even inspired a creepy novelty tune entitled the mysterious ax man's jazz, which I think probably we're we're going to have an episode with that song. Now, after murdering Mike, Mike Pepitone, who was the last guy, on the night of October 27th, 1919, the Axeman promptly disappeared without a further notice. 
Or so it seemed. This is where today's creepy imagery shows up. Now, this picture was posted to Reddit, which my two co-hosts can actually see. We'll post it. Yeah, when the episode we comes will out. Definitely post it. Maybe before. Now, this image is claimed to be the work of Eduardo Martel, a French photographer who traveled across the USA in the earliest 20th century while testing his new inventions, a camera with automatic exposure settings and a shutter mechanism attached to an adjustable timer. This photo was one of many shot by Martel's new camera, which we will post on our Instagram. He usually hid it from public view to capture the most candid shots possible as the subjects were usually unaware they were being photographed. Sadly, Martel's invention did not bring him success, blah, blah, blah. Now, Gene was sorting through that very collection, which is uh, his daughter, when she allegedly came across a photo dated October 28, 1919, which depicts a row of homes along an empty New Orleans street, possibly in the early morning hours, which is when the Axeman struck. Her father had rejected the image on account of motion blur, which obscures the feature of a man being seen. So the story claimed that the home into which the mysterious man is entering was determined to be the residence of Mike Pepitone, the Axeman's final victim. Wow. Mm. Ever since the image hit the web, rumors and theories began to buzz about its authenticity, which to date has not been confirmed or denied. While there does exist a famous figure named Eduardo Alfred Martel, he was not a failed inventor or photographer, but a renowned pioneer in cave exploration. Then again, the Martel... Professional spelunker. <laughs> this Martel of story died mostly unknown, so if he exists, no formal documentation has been found of him to date. So that is a real thing that happened, like, legitimately... Hmm... That's intense. I mean, when I remember when I said that there was a much thinner population back then, Mm -hmm. that's how small it was. The odds of something like that surviving until now, like somebody just happened to be there in the early morning hours taking a picture of, I mean, small world, right? Real small world. Well, it's creepy too, because it's like, I, I just, it creeps me out because like, the it the we the people will see this image, but um, guys, that's not the last one. This is the one that creeps. Okay, let me let me just preface this a little bit. <laughs> this is fucking creepy as shit, and I don't see. Uh, I've seen debunked Reddit things, and I've seen things that like, uh, um. I've seen articles posted about this um, and we will totally put both of these images together on our Instagram, but it's, it's so fucking creepy. So basically what happened is um, a man. Okay. So there's this guy named Stev Goldhound, which I, I guess is great name internet handle. Um, who posted this picture 
one day and uh, everybody's like, I think it happened in 2014 when he posted this image. So I guess if the X-Men was still on, he'd be like 112 or something like right. that. I, I, not got, much an axe swing in shape. No, probably not. So it, it, uh, this, um, this guy took this picture. Now, Let's break this down a bit. He was a dock foreman. John, his name, we'll just go with his name is John. Apparently took this picture while snapping work areas and navigating deep within a ship with a torch. He didn't see anyone while taking the images. So old decommissioned ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's being repossessed. The, maybe they scrap it for scrap it for parts. Um so it was a it was a military vessel, and a search was carried out, but no one was found. There was one way on and off the ship, and that was by gangway covered by CCTV. So they they have those like CCTV yeah. cameras and closed caption TV. So before they scrap it for parts or use it for whatever they want to, this old ship, this guy took random pictures, and every single different room. Like he would walk around. Here's the galley. Here's the shitter. Yeah. Here's the bunk rooms. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, um, there was a picture that was developed and the guy didn't see anything. He just was bored walking around mm-hmm. taking pictures of the ship. Went back home, yada yada yada. Went to bed, and then a phone call came, and this guy was like, "Wake up, dude! Because I got some shit to show you. I just developed all your pictures, and uh, what the fuck is this?" And he showed it to him, and it is one of the creepiest pictures I've ever seen in my entire life. You want to see it? I want to see it. Yeah. No, I don't want to see the creepiest picture ever. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. For your listening pleasure. For your listening. (laughs) This is for us, though. (laughs) We'll post it. No, we will. Um... What are you typing in so I can type it in on my side Old and man see it? Axe Navy ship. So basically, <laughs> got it. <laughs> I, I got it. So basically, oh, yeah. Is he taking a dump? I would be if I saw that. Yeah, I know. It's creepy as fuck. Be, I like the ones is, that where they have it circled with yeah, the red just circles. Just in case you can't see the old guy taking a dump. Right. Just, just, in, case, just in case you don't see the, the terrifying old man with the hatchet. All the pictures were normal, but there's just this one picture of this old man with an axe, and it is like, ah, it fucks with me because he's all like hobbled over, like mm-hmm. he's trying to drop a deuce, but he's also trying to like. He's got his depends well, on, so he's fine. Look how old he is. I bet he's trying. Uh, yeah, it is. I know we we looked at quite a few. That's that's okay. So I probably found the best magnified. I mean, I can't think of what that is. 
It's, it's, it's definitely a man with an axe. Mm. Is it the man? It's is, definitely is, a man. What he has on his hand looks axe-ish, but I mean, it's hard to tell. That's 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 the reproduction Hollywood version of it. But anyway, holy shit. Old man with an axe on a Navy boat. Check it out. Maybe it's the axe man. Maybe it's not. Axe man of New Orleans. If you're still alive, turn yourself in. Yeah, you fucking douche. All right. It is time for us to get some pop culture in her veins. It's time for the pop culture minute with Josh. Sonic, Sonic Boom! Boom. Yes, it is true that there was a song written in 1919 in the midst of all this fun, fun stuff happening. It was actually written by a local man named Joseph John Davila. And the song and its full title is The Mysterious Axeman's Jazz. Don't scare me, Papa. Yeah, I saw the Don't Scare Me, Papa. Squirtlex remix. I feel like the, <laughs> they called it by Don't Scare Me, Papa was like the big deal. Right, the name, but yeah. Now the I'm not going to go through them all, but there have no. been many bands throughout the years that have uh, had songs named the Axemen's Jazz. It's a, apparently a very popular uh, title for songs, and they reference that in general. But I think our I think our good friend Greg really kind of hit the nail on the head, if you will, nah. uh, with uh, where I want to go with. Uh, this particular pop culture, and that, of course, is American Horror Story Coven, in which the Axeman plays a prominent role in. He actually uh, is played by Danny Houston, who is a handsome son of a gun, I want to say, but doesn't, I feel, really uh, encapsulate the description that we're told of of the Axeman being a tall, dark but now, granted, this these were carried out in the night, so you can't really tell. Was me. <laughs> we don't blame you, Juice. But what's interesting about the how it comes to be in the in the show is that it's the night that he demands the jazz music being played throughout New Orleans, and he is actually tricked by witches to go to a certain house, and they they kill him. Wow. And later in the future, when the, the show takes place, they, there is a, uh, a seance performed, and he's brought back to life. And turns out, he, he, like I said, he kind of becomes the, the, I'll say, the secondary antagonist uh-huh. in the show. And falls, he kind of falls in love with the, the head witch. Jessica and, Lange. Yeah, oh. I miss her so much in those shows. But, yeah, and I'm not going to spoil it just because I do think that's a great season. It's a great show. I mean, bring it up and God knows how many of these episodes. Mm-hmm. So definitely go w- watch that season. It's cool to see the Axeman and being like that suave, older, jazz-loving guy. But you can kind of see behind the eyes. He really nails that 
but I'm also a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So. It's the disconnect. Yeah. It's the it's the it's the it's the you're seeing what you want to see or you're seeing what he wants you to see up front, but it's the disconnect behind the eyes. There's no feeling behind it. Exactly. And they show that where he does perform some of his uh, serial killer tendencies in the show and it's it's gruesome and awesome so definitely guys go check out the i believe it's the third season american horror story coven thank you joshua yep all right boys we don't have Yahoo answers because we don't have our beautiful April Shoop. But it is time for a verdict. In one corner, four podcasters you Yahoo! trust with your life. Because we're gonna tr- we're gonna trust Greg. He's, yes, he's he's with us. Way more trustworthy than us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there's an axe man in the other corner, and he is tall, dark, and handsome. Thank you. Don't swipe right. He'll probably bop you on the nose. I'm at least slash right. <laughs> on the football field. So I have a question today, and this is our verdict. Was it a mobster? Was it a random guy? Was it multiple people? Hmm. Or maybe... Maybe... The Axe Man was a ghoul. A nocturnal individual who could float around because people believed that. Really? They really thought that it could have been a demon. I'm going to go with Josh. I know you're probably thinking over there. But it's your turn. Okay. Well, we now know that he's not a gifted teenager in Professor Xavier's School of the Gifted. I do think that this is a run-of-the-mill guy who was acting alone in his particular killings. He is obviously not a very proficient killer, but I think he had no ties to the mob. I don't think he was a demon. I... Just a guy that felt like he wanted to kill some people sometimes and just was botched it and he got away with it because it was the, that those were the times and yeah that's your verdict yeah just a just a random guy Lawrence I think it was their the the, the lead sus the, their lead suspect that they had that seems to make the most sense uh, they've you know they kind of had a clue and seen him leave a couple times um I think it's as simple as that. Occam's razor. Indeed. Our special guest, Hella Greg, what do you have to th- what do you have to say? What do you think? Who do you think this was? I have a lot to unpack, but I'm gonna go the complete opposite of Occam's razor. I believe it's probably the most complicated and convoluted possible. Um I do like the theory of copycat killers because mm-hmm. that was never really brought up. That wasn't like I'm sure they because the law enforcement wasn't used to dealing with crimes of a serial style. They probably didn't have experience with copycat killers and imitations and the idolization that comes with people who commit these atrocities. So 
I think that's that's very that's very interesting and in all reality the most likely. But the one I want it to be is I want it to be a demon because he talked about being a demon. And if you're a fan of uh, magic like Aleister Crowley style magic and chaos magic and making it happen because you willed it and you believed it, and maybe he was so close to making it real because he believed it, but that letter is what really got everybody else believing it, and everybody playing jazz that night is what really got everybody else believing it and added enough energy to it and enough power to make it real and once he was real he didn't have to go around killing people anymore he was able to dip off into whatever fourth dimension he came from and that's why it disappeared I love that answer that might be one of my favorite answers we've ever had alright but my answer is going to be better so oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the truth is it was probably one guy was exacting revenge during a two-year period. There was a period, and he did a lot of things that were very serial killer-ish, I feel like. He was rock hard, walked in there, and just started thonking people on the head like it was nobody's business. I think it was one guy... And I think these killings really spell themselves out. And I think that I want to give praise to the investigators for the time because this is hard to solve. You don't have computers. You don't have. I mean, semen data bank. No, you don't. Like we have now. Like I have. (laughs) You don't have ancestry.com so you can find the Golden State Killer and hopefully in the future the Zodiac. But I'm saying this is a different time. And like, like Greg mentioned, like these guys were working with like basically like chopsticks. There's nothing, there's nothing to go on unless you have like a, um, the mental state to be a sleuth. So personally, I think it was one guy. I think it was a confused individual. And I think that he exacted his revenge the way he wanted to and unfortunately he's probably been dead since like 1955 so we're never going to find him that's been your verdict it is time for us to get quizzical Right, gentlemen and gentlemen, buzz in with your name if you know the answer. Five questions. Whoever has the most points at the end wins the game. And since we were talking about Italian grocers, <laughs> I went with Italian cuisine for today's musical. Oh shit! Question ravioli. <laughs> Question number two. Question. <laughs> Number one is which cheese is made from buffalo milk? Buffalo, buffalo milk. blue cheese. <laughs> oh, Gregory. <laughs> A. Mozzarella. B. Romano. C. Gorgonzola. Or D. Ricotta. Ryan. Ryan. C. 
That is incorrect. Josh. Josh. I'm going to hate myself for this. I'm going to say ricotta. That is incorrect. It's Greg. Greg. Gorgonzola. That is incorrect. It's mozzarella. Huh. That's going to be my next guess. Mozzarella. The best mozzarella comes from the region of Campania and is made from buffalo milk, like we said. Question number two. Which of these will you probably not find in Florence? Spaghetti al amatric. Oh, really, Larry? Amatricana? Spaghetti, spaghetti con le polpette? Spaghetti alla bengole? Or D, spaghetti alla sugo di carne? Josh. Josh. D. That is incorrect. Our culinary expert. Ryan. Ryan. Hey. That is incorrect. <laughs> if only. Greg. Greg. D. That's that what incorrect. I said. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said B. Damn it. <laughs> yes, yeah, spaghetti call it pony. A common assertion is that spaghetti with meatballs is an Italian American thing. It is not true. Question number three, everybody tied at zero. <laughs> Don't. What do many Italians dip their bread into? Josh. It- Josh? Oil. That is incorrect. A cafalette. B, the drippings on their plate, C, wine, or D, olive oil seasoned with herbs. Ryan. Ryan. D. That is incorrect. That's just what what Josh just said. I know, but it just seems right. Greg? Uh, The dippings on their, or the drippings on their plate. That is correct, sir. Greg won, you losers, nothing. (laughs) Question number four. Napoli's signature pizza is called margarita. In reference to whom or what? A, Margarita de Savoy, de Savoia, Margarita Flower, St. Margarita, or relatives named Margarita. Ryan. Ryan. St. Margarita? That's incorrect, sir. Can you read the fir- the other ones, please? Margarita de Savoia, Margarita Flowers, or, or relatives named Margarita. Greg. Greg. Margarita flowers. That is incorrect. Damn it. I cannot be your savior. I'm gonna go with A. That is correct, Josh. We are all tied. We're tied one to one. Question number five. Worth seven points because I just made the this game up, and that's how many points this is gonna be worth now. What is the one dish almost all Italian men know how to make? Spaghetti aglio e olio? Bruschetta, C-grilled sausages, or D-granita la limone. Josh. Oh, Josh first. I'm going to go with spaghetti. Dude, you are correct. You win. Congratulations. If you're Italian, you're trained with spaghetti, right? (laughs) I just made bruschetta for the first time. Really? It was fantastic. I make sausages all the time. Sausages and onions and peppers. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Greg, what's your favorite food? Italian or just food? Honestly, just really. Uh, today I had In and Out, and that's like my favorite thing on the planet. Oh, but uh, that's right, you guys got In and Out, you lucky bastards. <laughs> yeah, we have. But uh, we have five guys, and we have what else do we have? Stellas. Yeah, we do have yeah, Stellas. Who? Greg, come out to Michigan, brother. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll feed you well. We'll do. A couple I will of- eat well. <laughs> that's right. 
Good Lord. So we had a good time today. We got our verdict. We got our quizzical. I mean, what else is there left? Oh, shit. We have five star shout outs. Five, 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 five star review. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have so much to get to when it comes to this because I was actually surprised we we keep getting all these reviews guys I just don't know what to say but I gotta start off with our man John Hodges he is a sweet sweet individual who has taken the time to give us five stars but in his own way he posted it on our closed group which you should join you should join our face group Facebook group. Anyway, he says, I don't use iTunes because Apple sucks butt wind. I'm going to leave my review here. <laughs> butt wind. <laughs> he says, I'm really addicted to the podcast. Of all the podcasts I listen to, Conspiracy Therapy is the only one I can listen to episodes more than once. Some I've listened to three or four times and I always get a laugh. I love Josh's pop culture segment. Larry's soundboard, which is always great. Which, <laughs> which he always seems to be spot on with comedic timing. Well, Larry's soundboard is kind of an <laughs> extension of himself. I love April's wit and her ability to both give and receive the occasional good, friendly insult. Yahoo! Ryan seems to do really well with the research. Thank you. But even still... Tends to stumble over his words. It's <laughs> funny, John. I'm drunk. <laughs> but even still, tends to stumble over his words, which is also hilarious. I can't even begin to tell you how many times this podcast has changed my mood for the better. Shut up, guys. Especially at work. Keep up the awesome work and never stop doing what you guys do. Five fat loving stars come on guys john we love you man yeah if anything this episode is dedicated to you and this was such a beautiful post you're you're a great individual um we have more let me just uh pull this up we might have to edit this i apologize be nice to it Mac 174 says awesome love you guys you put out good material that I haven't heard a million times y'all are funny and love the delivery even in the darkest material one of you find humor or are at least able to cleanse the palate keep going we will Mac 174 sound effects got me like crying laugh face panda the moron says i'm a new listener and oh my god i don't think i've laughed this much in a long time y'all compliment each other real well especially when the soundboard is on point so glad i found you guys uh solid duck says fantastic show five stars absolutely love the show fyi the new episodes are not appearing naturally i have to scroll down and click on available episodes to see them <laughs> Not an issue for me because I know how to do this, but this might be affecting other people too. This is a new issue that started a month or two ago. Yeah, we've had uh, none of my other podcasts have this issue. Keep up the good work. I apologize, Solid Duck. Actually, we kind of figured that whole shit show out. There were there was some there were some issues that we had. Um, we do have more um, reviews. 
Sorry. If we didn't shout you out tonight, I hope you know we it's com- love it's a common. you. And we appreciate the shit out of you. I know one guy gave a five-star review on our, like, randomly on a comment, and I appreciate cool. that. Cool, so cool, cool. That's been your five-star shout-outs for this week. We'll be good on it next week, I promise. Now. Fuck. We've done everything. We talked about the X-Man, X-Man, be my X-Man, body spray guy. Yep. Asshole from 1918. Mm-hmm. He chopped people up with an axe. Would you want to die by an axe? No, who would? But, I mean, if you hit it right, according to <laughs> according to a lot of, like, mafia hitmen mm-hmm. guys, like, if you do it right, you, you, you're done. Like, in a nice, quick moment. If not, it's, yeah, it's got to be sharp. <laughs> it does. Do you I, think if, like, you, like say they hit a guy like your size, Ryan, and then they hit me, it's like a, they're like the wine glasses that if they hit us right, like, you know, different sounds, they can, like, recreate Bohemian Rhapsody by having a line of people boom, just... Boom, boom, boom. Boom. <laughs> they have under pressure. <laughs> If they get a bunch of guys with axes and a bunch of people lined up willing to get hit like that, they could just do it okay go style. Exactly. Everybody goes individually. <laughs> that was Bohemian Raps. I can't wait for you well, to hear this pressure. one, Greg. We're going to have to. We have to have you back. Anyways. Pressure. We did that. Plugs. So. Off Tempo Podcast. It's a music history podcast. You can find that on Facebook and Podbean. Uh, Potty Slam Podcast, Wrestling Historical Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Potomatic. EFISPodcast.net. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash Conspiracy Therapy Podcast is where you get our shirts at. Conspiracy T Show is where you find us on Twitter. Conspiracy Therapy is on Facebook. Join us, like us, and every month we do a episode vote. And you can be joined with us as we vote for what we're going to cover that month. And it's one of the few episodes of that year or the year that month that you will be a part of. So, uh, serial chillers podcast on Instagram, Facebook, uh, chillers podcast on Twitter. Uh, all my personal stuff is at hella Greg pretty much anywhere. Well, that's it. We'll see you next week on another episode of the conspiracy therapy podcast. Big kiss. Okay. Joe Rogan. I did do that.
been a presentation of Beer City Media. 